0: Welcome to El Jones La Liga Weekly. What a Sunday we had in La Liga. The top two both won from behind. Isco scored, Jovic scored and Gareth Bale even popped onto the pitch for a jog around. Barca went to Betis and won a thriller. Fekir and Lenglet both did the goal red card double. We also learned there's no limit to how bad a position Lionel Messi can take up and yet still have his teammates try to pass the ball to him. Real Sociedad won the Basque Derby, a rivalry that could yet reconvene in the Copa del Rey final after midweek drama. If only we'd seen it in the UK. I think what the people want is another channel that they can subscribe to. Copa del Rey quarterfinal TV with a separate payment if you want to stay on to to the semi-final stage. It's obviously what the people want. Uh, 20 million euros for Raúl de Tomás is looking like money well spent but Espanyol finished the weekend back at the bottom because Celta turned on the style on Saturday I made the mistake of watching all of Atleti's victory over Granada instead of the usual safe practice of staying for the first 15 minutes or attack time as it's known and then checking back in for the late or black wonder save uh, Valencia and their new Italian defender Alessandro Florenzi got Hetafe beaten up and sent packing uh, Terry Gibson is the sporting director of this setup, sitting in Barcelona, dropping clumsy hints about my work rate, but uh, we've <laughs> promised not to to fall out about that. Ah, right <laughs> then, Terry. Uh, so, uh, how is Barcelona? And I, I'm taking that you've enjoyed your La Liga football. It's been a it's been a good weekend.
1: It, it has, John, and, and I think my, I'm, I'm, even going back to Friday night. Alavesaibar was a bright start, of a, another Basque derby. Um, Saturday's highlight, of course, was the extraordinary performance of not only Hatafe but Jorge Molina, at the age of 37, still a possible Ballon d'Or winner. Um, and it, it, the way they battered Valencia. I mean, it was an extraordinary win. Um, and let's go with the drama there of seeing them hang on for dear life to all three points against a Granada team that had rested most of their first team because they're playing. <laughs> In the Copa del Rey semi-final this week So that that was a great day But the, on, on Sunday It was, I mean, we had the bottom of the table Clash Espanyol, maiuka with we were able to Thomas getting the goal The best derby, which turned into the inaki williams alexander Isaac derby When they both appeared yeah. And really livened that game up Osasuna um, Were okay um, to start with Got the heads and then had something to lose And panicked and Allowed Real Madrid to comfortably win four one, which should be a difficult fixture, but they made light work of it. And of course, topped off by Sunday evening stuff: dramatic, dramatic win for Celta and another and game full of drama for Betis and Barcelona, which we had high hopes it was good, that was going to be the case, and it, it didn't let us down.
0: Uh, right, that's too good a summary, Terry. People will be turning off now because uh, that's that's everything done. But <laughs> let,
1: let's let,
0: let's give it some detail, shall we? We'll yeah. start. So we start at the end, as it were, Betis uh, against Barcelona. I mean, it was certainly an eventful game. Some, some brilliant moments, some not so brilliant moments, uh, controversial moments. People didn't like the, the, the uh, sending off uh, Nabil Fekir, uh, not many arguments about the, uh, the one for, for And And Barcelona, they came through it without ever really controlling it.
1: No, I think it was from a technical point of view, the first half, both teams were better. They appeared to both have a plan. It was slightly unusual for Betis to play with two holding midfield players and to play. They were, they were really trying to hold a defensive line that wasn't successful. But you could see what, they, what they'd been working on in training. And, and for Barcelona, you could see signs in the first half of what Kike Setian is, is trying to achieve. Um, Interesting positional play regarding Arturo Vidal, and it worked to a a degree. I mean, he was almost playing in between Messi and Griezmann. Uh, We saw, I think, Luke Luke, Frankie de Jong's best performance in a Barcelona Mm -hmm. shirt, bearing in mind the opposition, um, the context of how Barcelona, their season has been going in recent weeks. And he played a more attacking position as well. Um, and it, it seems strange now when we talk about him being brought to Barcelona to play the Busquets role, when clearly he has he, he's not that type of player. He's a player that that, that can flourish in an attacking role, creative, holding on to possession, runs off the ball. I thought I thought he was the the, the outstanding player in in that game. Um, I, I I'm glad I'm not alone in thinking that the referee could have just. Let the game breathe for five, ten seconds. When Fakir was, you know, in the heat of the moment, showed his emotion. He wasn't in the face of the referee going absolutely berserk at him. And, and I, I thought the referee actually couldn't wait to, to get the card, the second yellow out, um, as quick as he did. It was, a, you know, he was pleased for the, the chance to book Fakir again and send him off. I think he could have just just let it go. But Fakir was walking away, wasn't he? Um, yes. Yeah. no, no problem with that. I feel for him a bit. The first one with a handball, with a penalty, it's he got booked for that. They scored the penalty. He's suspended for next week, and it was the first of his two yellow cards. So punishment all round there for a. I mean, it, it was a penalty. It's a handball. I, I personally think that's enough of a punishment for that anyway. Um, but it, no, and in the second half, it, it was. It, I thought it was a mess. It was great to watch. But from a technical point of view, Barcelona gave away more possession in the second half. Betis were untidy in their play as well and didn't really create too many chances of their own. Any chances that came the way of anyone in the second half were because the other team had given the ball away, which, ironically, is how Fakir got um, the second goal for Betis. I think Guido gave the ball away to Arturo Vidal. He then gave it immediately straight back to Guido, then Alenya to Fakir, and an outstanding goal from Nebil Fakir to, to put Betis up for the second time. But the, the second half was just, it was great to watch. But as I say, from a, a coach's point of view, it was a bit of a chaotic mess, to be honest.
0: Uh, Chigipta has got a question for us, Terry. He says, how can Messi struggle to take close-range efforts on goal but has no problem whatsoever serving his teammates left, right and centre? Uh, you can address that and also my point that I made slightly jokingly, but they do pa- they pass to Messi too much. I know he's the best player. Um, you I know, agree. But, but, you know... There, you, but, um, uh, Artur at the end should surely have kicked the ball into the goal rather than a, <laughs> Lionel Messi which seems to be almost a pre-programmed thing to try and pass the ball to him in all situations
1: I, I was thinking about this John because uh, it's it's either one of two things, either players don't want to accept a responsibility so they heap it all onto Messi or they're, they play a little bit in fear of if they don't pass to Messi he'll get the ump, as basic as that and when I look back at Messi when he was younger and he was in the team at Barcelona, in Pep's team, for instance, they he the, the, the other players in the team had all had their own status. So, mm-hmm. in yesterday, they didn't get the ball and think, where's, where's, where's Messi? I need to pass to Messi. Xavi didn't think that. Puyol didn't think that. You know, David Villa, when he joined the club, he, he, he wasn't thinking immediately, oh, I need to pass to Messi. But when you look at the squad now, his contemporaries, I guess, are PK and Busquets. The rest are all new, um, and they obviously feel it's the way to be successful at Barcelona. And, and that is almost... I, I think there is an element of shying away from responsibility um, and also curry in favour with Messi in terms of... You don't want to give him the ump if you don't pass to him. Um, Arturo Vidal, funny enough, I think is one of the few that will make the right decision at the right time. And, and it, it, it's common sense that if teams will, they know that now. And, and if Messi's got three men around him, it's, it, it's obvious that there will be other players in space in good positions. But people in the Barcelona team, the players, they still shove the ball into Messi's feet. So uh, I think they, they need to accept more responsibility. Um, but I, I think there is a, a status thing there which he, he didn't have to deal with when he was one of a whole group of superstars. You know, he was one of the younger mm-hmm. ones. Then he became the star player. But you still didn't see Chavi thinking, whenever I get the ball, I need to find Messi. They passed to him when it was the right thing to do and for the right reasons.
0: Now, as you're in Barcelona, you can give us the perspective on, on this story. So the, the Abadal Agro this week. So Ab- Abidal does an interview that is obviously a pre-arranged interview. He wasn't just sort of uh, doorstepped or anything um, in which he, he talks about the sacking of Val and basically lays some of the blame at the door of the players, which Messi objects to, because um, with some, I think with some justification, he's, he's sort of saying, well, come on, say what you want to say um, rather than just sort of a, a, a slightly snide, uh, way of doing it, which I thought Abidal had, had taken up. So, um, how much of a, a storm is it really? Uh, what are the consequences, and uh, who, who's right, who's wrong?
1: Um, I, I, actually, it was it was ideal for me to speak to the fellow guest um, Albert Farell, mm. and to to hear his take on it. And he he he's seen the interview in full, not transcripts. He's he's yeah. watched it and heard it. And he thought it was an absolutely brilliant interview by Abidale. But they've taken right. the small bit that they think he said it was really open. It was honest. And, you know, that he, he was open about the problems they've had with players leaving and, and players signing and managers that they possibly went for but didn't get. Um, he said it was really refreshing to hear someone be so open and honest. But the one bit they've taken is that, you know, the fact that he suggested that the some of the players weren't happy with Valverde, which... Is always the case, anyway, um, and that maybe some of them didn't work as hard as they should have, and then Messi responded by saying name names when Messi really wouldn't want them. I, I wouldn't imagine Messi would want Abidal to come out and say, "Okay, then I'm going to you know and name half a dozen players." Mm-hmm. That wouldn't help anything. Um, I think Messi was just trying to sort of his explanation was, "Don't tar us all with the same brush." Which means don't tar me with that brush. I think yeah. that's what people seem to think, and I'm pretty sure that Abidal wasn't pointing the finger at, at Lionel Messi. So I, I think the saving grace will be that they were teammates. This isn't a suit that's in the boardroom that Messi doesn't have a relationship with, and and the hope is that those two can sort it out. Neither are going anywhere in the short term. The the you know the solution to Barcelona, all Barcelona's. Problems at the moment, relative problems, are, you know, helped by the fact they beat Betis 3-2, that got a Hatafe next week. And, you know, scoring goals, winning games, and and keeping the pace with Real Madrid, doing well in the Champions League. Nothing's going to change between now and the end of the season regarding Messi and, and Abedal.
0: Uh, right. It's an important win for Barcelona because they were in danger of slipping, when they were behind, they were in danger of slipping uh, six points behind Real Madrid who had to weather another... I keep making storm references, Terry. It's because I'm sitting <laughs> in the middle of a storm in, in, uh, in England at the moment. Um, they had to weather an, an early uh, wave of pressure from Osasuna, who started like we, we always hoped uh, Osasuna would do against the, the big teams. They scored a goal, fabulous header by Renard Garcia. Uh, but, Real, i just keep finding ways of winning games at the moment.
1: Yeah, and again, an unusual list of scorers, isn't it? Isco, Ramos, Vasquez and Jovic. Um, Benzema didn't score, Gareth Bell didn't score. And it a kind of, it wasn't the game I thought it was going to be. And it, it started off exactly as I thought, you know, fast tempo, quite aggressive from Osasuna in terms of direct play, getting the ball forward, getting it wide, getting crosses into the box. They were a threat from set pieces, the determination from Muno Garcia, you know, led to them, you know, fantastic header to open the scoring. And then it was a, a classic, oh, we're ahead. We've now got something to lose. Um, and, and their attitude changed. Moncayola went, went off injured early, prior to them scoring the goal, I have to be honest. Um, but he is a loss because he's a player that's developing really well. Played in a number of positions this season. It's his name's John Mon- Moncaola. He's a he is a midfield player, which is where he's been playing lately. He's been playing right back, right side midfield. So that was a loss, and a, a you know it, it affects your plans when it's so early. Um, and he um, he is more mobile than Fran Merida. so that that meant they were they lacked that intensity in midfield in terms of a player that could get around the pitch as, as much as Brasanac, and then. Um, before the first goal came from Real Madrid, it was coming. It was a complete turnaround in, in the way the game was being played. Osasuna retreated, dropped deep, weren't as aggressive and, and played with a fear factor. And then from then on, Real Madrid, you know, made light work of it, um, and very efficient. And, you know, what we thought was going to be a really troublesome game away at Osasuna. And then Osasuna going 1-0 up turned out in the end to be anything but a tough game for Real Madrid. And I thought that was going to be on a par with, when you looked at the fixtures this week, Osasuna at home to Real Madrid, Betis at home to Barcelona. I thought, that you know, they were both hard games. Um, But as it turns out, Real Madrid's comfortably won that and are looking, you know, the real deal at the moment.
0: Uh, So Gareth Bale, I know we talk about him a lot, but he hasn't played a lot recently In La Liga, but he was back. And how was he? You, I I, I gather, you're a bit disappointed in what what you said on La Liga TV.
1: I am because you know I I would still hope that that Gareth Bale has that fire in his belly, that every time he turns out for Real Madrid, with with all that's been going on in the last eighteen months at the club, that in you know I would consider him to be a better player than Lucas Vazquez. I I don't think that's Extraordinary coming up with that statement, um, and I, I I still think he's better than Vinicius, but we I I'm not seeing it anymore. We don't see it anymore, mm. and I, I would hope that his pride would be hurt by the fact that he's he's not a regular first choice player in there at Real Madrid. So that when he gets an opportunity like he did today against Osasuna, that he, he you know you want to see evidence that he still has that determination, desire, pride, you know, to still be one of the most important players in world football, because he could be. Um, but it, it, I, I don't think we saw that against Osasuna. Zidane, so in his post-match interview, said there's no problem. He wasn't at his best because he hasn't been playing lately. He hasn't played for three weeks. Um, but there isn't a problem between Gareth Bale and Real Madrid. I think there's, there's some come to the conclusion that he's not going anywhere, so make use of him but it should hurt Gareth Bell that he's important at Real Madrid and he clearly isn't going to be Zidane's first choice and you, you can't argue with it at the moment due to the form of, of Gareth Bell Yeah,
0: that he's basically on a par with Lucas Vazquez <laughs> they basically use it, it when it, they him when they need him It shouldn't
1: be the case, It
0: shouldn't
1: yeah. I mean we've seen uh, some of the goals he's scored over the years but at the moment, he doesn't look as fast, as strong, as aggressive. He's not winning headers. He's not shoot, shooting from <clears throat> distance. There's just nothing that resembles the Gareth Bale that we've we've seen at Spurs and, and, and his, his time here at Real Madrid.
0: Uh, let's have a look at the back derby, and then we'll get on to the Copa del Rey, which I think we should talk about as well, because it was a ex- uh, fabulous um, midweek of of games in that. So, because that, obviously the two things are linked in. Uh, Real Sociedad beat Athletic by two goals to one. Porto and Isaac with the goals uh, for La Real. Uh, Williams with a terrific burst of pace uh, to get the goal for Athletic. A red card for Munyain. Uh, uh Now, Isaac Terry was a star in the, the Copa del Rey as well. Dramatic win, 4-3 away at Real Madrid. A, um, he's a kid isn't he and they picked him up yeah. from I don't understand this they got him from no. so he was already at a big club he was at Dortmund and they he got loaned out played in the area division last season and had a good record and they still let him go which is just think well why? why why how could they get him but they've got you know they've got him and I'm sure they're delighted to have him
1: and, and yeah and and how comes nobody else was you know trying to take the opportunity hmm. to sign him either. I mean, he, he, he lit up that game when he came on. And and he, he, interestingly enough, in, in the cup match in midweek and in this game against Athletic Bilbao, he missed quite a few chances as well. But he's one of those forwards that, I mean, you, you can have some forwards, I'll name them, Jonathan Caleri for one. Every game he plays, you think he's done well, he's really worked hard. He hasn't had a shot on goal. <laughs> and there's yeah. a number of forwards around like that, where you can't be critical of their performance. But when, Isaac comes on, he, he probably had six or seven attempts at goal today in 40 minutes. And against Real Madrid in the Copa del Rey, he probably missed another three goals. So, you know, it's it's for such a young player, he's made the most of the opportunity with William Jose either messing about or being messed about. And when William Jose went off today and Isaac came on up, on the hour, there's the, contrast between the two. Performances of the centre forwards was was unbelievable, and also he was buoyed by the fact that when he came on, I mean, William Jose got a, a generous round of applause when he went off. The crowd didn't turn on him, but when Isaac come off, the, you know, come onto the pitch, the 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 crowd, you know, really showed who they they favour at the moment, and and it was it was a, a, a incredible performance from a young striker. He had everything. I mean, he created the goal. He he scored a goal. He had other chances. He was was literally on fire. And and Yaki Williams, likewise, one of his best performances in ages. Um, I know he's obviously got confidence and from the, the midweek cup match as well. Um, this extraordinary run of consecutive games he had, it's unusual to see him on the bench. But he came on and, and those two players, it was a good game, but those two players made it into a fantastic game.
0: Uh, so let's. Uh, did you watch the Copa del Rey? And I, I know you, you, you're you're yeah. not allowed to. <laughs> but, I, know. Uh, no, you, I Yeah, I tuned in. Bound away. A way. The wavelength, yes. Yes, <laughs> you just imagined it. Use your, your superior mental powers <laughs> yeah. and imagined it. Uh, so the, so the big two are out. So we will. You know there'll be an interesting winner. Well, Valencia are out as well. So the holders are out.
1: Uh, Villarreal are out. Yeah. So it's all extraordinary. All favourites went out.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, you look at uh, the side so mir- of the draw and you think. Oh, all four you'd expect to go through went out.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, mirandez uh, managed by Iraola, uh who's obviously got... He's only 37, so he's obviously got something of a future. The, the old uh, athletic uh, right-back, by the way, if you're new to La Liga, who was a, I mean, he was a legend, wasn't he, in La Liga for yes. 600 games yeah. or something, wasn't he, um, before you got to play in America. But they, they only had 4,000 fans there, so they beat Villarreal. Granada... Uh, beat Valencia, a couple of goals by Soldado. Real Sociedad beat Real Madrid, as I said, and uh, uh, Athletic with a Williams late goal knocked out Barca. What a what what a what a competition it's been!
1: It, it is, and when you saw the the, the best derby as well, you kind of think that that would be a, a tasty final. Um, the final is in Seville, um, so it's not a million miles away from Granada. They rested players in in their league game, so it's, you can see what it means to those clubs. Um, to be involved in a, in, a, in a Copa del Rey semi-final. This is now two legs, as opposed to the one legs we've had throughout the competition. It's People have liked it in Spain, and all of a sudden now um, there is people having second thoughts because there's no Barcelona or <laughs> Real Madrid yeah. in the last four, and they're thinking, oh, perhaps we, if we had two legs, then we might get those in, in the final. There's also concern that it's going to be an old Basque final. Um, because it's the King's Cup, Copa del Rey. Politically, it might cause one or two issues as well. With 60,000 Basques in the city of Seville, um, booing the national anthem or whatever. That's what mm-hmm. so it, it's. Um, but no, in a football, from a football point of view, it's yeah, it, it's refreshing actually to not see the same teams in it. Villarreal must be kicking themselves, a club that's never won a trophy, and they get knocked out by Mirandes. And Kayek can make six changes. And yeah. you, you're thinking, oh, if they'd have gone through, I know it's me picking on him again, but you think, <laughs> you know, VRL, they, they, they've got a chances, of course, for European football next season. But in hindsight, I know he's probably looking at it before and thinking that Barcelona and Real Madrid are still going to be in it and it's going to be tough. Um, you know maybe valencia would still be getting through as well what chance we got of winning it but you know, it just goes to show so an interesting Copa del rey final uh, set of results and now two interesting semi-finals to, to look forward to and he said watch but
0: that's <laughs> where you are you, you can't right. try out know
1: <laughs> yeah, well you can go and buy a ticket and
0: go and watch it uh, at the ground if you yeah. want to. That's a radical exactly. thought, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and do the rest of La Liga. <laughs>
1: It's your home, and I need to ask you a few favors. In
0: the kitchen, there's a spider stuck between the window and the screen, and I know it's dead, and technically it's outside, but it's still freaking me out. Can you flick it out or something? Also, just to save some money, and it's super easy, could you bundle your home and car insurance with GEICO? Last thing, could you take the holiday decorations down? Yeah, I'm one of those. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com today. So welcome back. Let's have a look at the rest of La Liga. Third place in La Liga these days is Hetafe. Getting used to that, of course. And they thumped Valencia by three goals to nil. Molina with a couple of goals. Mata with a late goal. Uh, Florenzi was sent off. And the, the, the comedy moment of this game was uh, Florenzi's expression as he, as he looked shocked to have been sent off for an <laughs> attempted robbery and battery. and um, it was, So he had to go. And as I said in the intro, Terry, he got hetafed. They got hetafed. Um Nothing illegal about what they do. They just play with a level of intensity that teams don't enjoy.
1: No, I mean, it was from the first minute to the last. It, I, I can't believe it was nil-nil at half-time. They never let Valencia breathe. And it, 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 they battered them. It, it was, it, and it's happening so often now. Uh, unfortunately for Valencia, it's happening to them too much as well. They the players came out and said all exactly the same remarks and comments as they made two or three weeks ago when they got battered at Milka for one. So there's some issues at Valencia that need tidying up. While we're on Valencia, De Carby, I thought you was going to say that was the comedy moment of the weekend when de Carby I have no idea what he was appealing for. Yeah, when he stopped. Yeah, I I think he was appealing for that he'd fouled Angel, and the referee <laughs> should stop the game. But I, because there was he just stopped in and gave up, and 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 I would find that I that was a massive insult to you know Salades, teammates, supporters. If I'd seen a player do that, I'd be fuming. Garay is out injured, so there's not a lot they can do about the moment, Valencia. So they've got some problems, but Hatafe was sensational. Cucurea covers every blade of grass. The two midfield players, they don't stop running. The full-backs, Alan Neon. And you've got Damien Suarez and, and Oliveira on the other side. Javier Aceita has slotted in and took the place of Cabrera. And then, but the remarkable player, has to be Jorge Molina at 37. Um, I, I can't believe, John, that I can remember... When we were working together on, on Sky and Spanish football and Ruben Castro and Jorge Molina were the front two mm-hmm. when Betis got promoted back to the top division and they'd scored goals in the second division. I didn't think they would, they're both still playing. I mean, Castro is, is playing for Les Palmas still in the second division. But what Jorge Molina is doing after he left Betis um, at the age of 37, leading the, the, he had four Valencia defenders around him for the, the his second goal. It was incredible what he did. Uh, his, hats off to him, well, he's, he's, how he's playing at the age of 37. If he was 27, I'd still be saying he was brilliant, but had 10 years on that, and it just goes to show that, you know, we perhaps we're all guilty of writing off players too early sometimes.
0: Uh, Atletico 1, Granada nil. Same old story. I mean, at least they got the goal. They got the win, which is what they desperately needed. A little bit of uh, comedy defending in this as well, wasn't there for the goal? Two um, Granada players collided with each other inexplicably in the penalty area, allowed Correa uh, to score the goal. And that was largely it from Athletic. Three points just about scraped through.
1: Yeah, I guess it's understandable. They made six or seven changes, Granada. So if there is a bit of confusion in the opening five minutes... Forgive them, um, but it from the, at that stage, Atletico did look as if they were going to run away with it. You look at the team sheets and you're thinking, yeah, I can understand why they're resting players. It's a massive occasion for Granada to be in the Copa del Rey semi final, and Atletico score after five minutes and they're on top and they're playing well. And you're thinking, oh, this could be a heavy a heavy score line for Granada, and it never happened. And it, and it, I, it a couple of things that. I think the, the issue is they play fast and furious, but it only lasts about 20 minutes. I don't know why that is. And then it became a competitive game. And the whole place was, everybody was just so nervous. And a lot of that comes from the manager. Um, he screamed and shouted at Thomas Lamar before he went on a substitute. Lamar got stripped, ready for action with about 20 minutes to go and then got told to sit down again. And then when he came, came back up, Simeone, with four or five minutes to go, was screaming and shouting instructions to him on the touchline. It, it, it was just too... Everything was too anxious, too desperate. Um, five people up, five players up before the game, so they start well. But then there has to be an element of maybe Simeone. Um, I've always said the manager sets the climate out of the club. In Simeone's cl- case... That's not just for the players. That's for the 50,000, 60,000 supporters that are there in the stadium as well. And just felt that, you know, perhaps in this game, being a little bit more calmer, reassuring, might have served his team better than panicking, getting emotional, screaming at substitutes before they go on, um, argument referee, waving the yellow cards around. And that it, it led to them hanging on for dear life against the team that, that turned up, that were, 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 you know, didn't have any sort of belief that with the team they picked that they could get anything. And they nearly did and should have done, as you mentioned in the intro. Um, it was down to another fantastic save from a black this time against Soldado to, to make sure go scraped on. It's a weird set of circumstances, though, because they've got eight players injured, six first-choice players, Going into the, um, the Spanish Super Cup, they were five points behind, and that was five minutes ago. It was Christmas time. They had won two or three games on, on the trot. They There's one at Betis away from home. They beat Barcelona. They got beat by Real Madrid on penalties. Then, it, how quickly it turned is the strange, is a mystery to me. They came back and played absolutely useless at Eibar. They got a nil-nil draw at home to Leganés. They got knocked out of the top of their way by a lower league opposition. And, and the whole thing just just crumbled. So it, it, it's quite surprising that they were playing so well; everything was looking good. And then all of a sudden, in the space of four or five games, the whole thing changed completely. I felt sorry for last week. I thought they should have got something against Real Madrid. So I think it's fair that they they actually managed to scrape home. So perhaps you know one or two players might come back from injury, and perhaps their their fortunes will change going forward now.
0: Uh, right, let's look at the relegation battle. I'll start with a question, though, because Mark uh, wants us to talk about uh, Mallorca, uh, and he's taken the trouble to get in touch, and he also he lives in the United States of America. He takes the trouble to get up early in the morning to watch um, Mallorca with their high-profile American owners. So, he says, uh, it seems to me that Mallorca were done before the season started. I understand the playoff ending in June is bananas, but I remember seeing that the side... Have the most salary limitations. Is this self or league imposed? Why weren't they able to spend in August and January? Now, there are wage restrictions or, or overall spending restrictions in the league, with good purpose, I think, when you look at the likes of Deportivo uh, La Coruña. And in a sense, Terry, there, it's a negotiation, isn't it? In that you, you supply your books to the league and then the, the league will come back. And give you an overall salary cap, and and they vary tremendously, don't they? I think it's I think Barcelona is about twenty times higher uh, than Mallorca's. Um, and Mark is right; Mallorca uh, are the are the, are the bottom uh, club in terms of what they can spend. And generally, there's a reasonable corris- uh, uh, correspondence between mm-hmm. how much you're able to spend and where you finish in the league. There are notable exceptions. We've already talked about Hetafe, who two years ago were actually they had the lowest budget. So that's the, the measure of what Bordelas has done. But for, for most teams, it's very hard to e- escape those restrictions. And that means that Mallorca are going to struggle. It, it's going to be a struggle. Uh, and it, obviously a disappointing weekend uh, to lose massive game against Espanyol.
1: Yeah, and it was so close. I mean, it, and, 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 and to make it even worse, when you're talking about finances, Espanyol were able to spend £40 million in this transfer yeah. window. And one of those players is scoring in every single game that he's playing for Espanol. That's a luxury that Mallorca didn't have. Hatafe a 12th highest in that salary cap thing. Um, so they've bucked the trend again this season. But it is tough. And, and all those reasons you, you talked about there, that you know, the playoffs end late. I, I, I feel... Th- this Mallorca have had two promotions and they're now into February. And it's the first time they've been in the bottom three. And they do have a genuine chance of staying up. It's going to be tough, of course. But I, it, no, I, I like the spirit. They were, I thought they were unlucky against Espanyol. It was, I thought it was a similar game to... We talked about the Madrid derby last week. One decisive moment was the difference. That was the same in this game. Maybe they were slightly conservative in terms of their team selection because they certainly improved at the end, although Espanol would get nervous to hang on to the win. But they put on Kucho Hernandez, Abdon Pratt. So they ended up with three centre forwards as opposed to playing the majority of the game with just one. So maybe there there should be an element of be positive in every single game. If they can win four, five, six of the remaining games, that probably keeps you up. Because we're looking at Espanyol. That's only their fourth win of the season. So it would be, you know... I think you could set yourself a target. They're probably going to have to do it at home, but why not be positive away from home and try and go at teams? You know, you might take a heavy beating here and there, but I think it's got to be worth trying to do that as opposed to what they did today. It was always going to be a tight match, playing with just one striker, midfield players trying to play off of him, trying to support him, but keeping a nice shape. I would would like to see New could just be
0: a little bit more positive uh, Celta Vigo beat Severe. that's probably the standout result at the bottom isn't it dramatically uh, Aspas he's credited with a goal Aspas I didn't think it was going to go in until the defender uh, put it in because there was another defender coming back on the line behind him but there we are uh, I think it's down as an Aspas goal and then Sisto uh, got the winner after uh, Nesri produced a very nice finish uh, to put Sevilla in front. Elsewhere, Leganez lost against Levante. A couple of cracking finishes, actually, from Ruben Rochina and Roger Marti. Uh, bar getting dragged into it uh, after losing uh, against uh, Alaves. Uh, what does that leave? Or oh, Vaya Dolly, who actually have got the second lowest budget, actually, which I, I'd hadn't, missed, Terry. So uh, they're doing well to be 15th in the league and that 1-1 draw with Villarreal.
1: Yeah, no, that was it. I mean, they're, they're doing it by drawing every single game, aren't they? There's the... Thing... <laughs> The incredible statistic, that's their 11th draw. The, the, I think they've lost seven. Um I, I can't believe Mallorca have only got one point away from home. Yeah. Um, You know, you, you would think, like Vidalid, you'd pick up some draws as well, which then if you, you picked up two or three draws, then you might not feel so bad about your away record. But to just get one point, lost every game apart from one draw. So that's what Vidalid are doing. I mean really tough to break down. I fancied them to win when they went 1-0 up. Um, but it, it, VRL, to their credit, played some good stuff. they got some good players. And it was only a matter of time before they got the equaliser. In the end, VRL probably should have won it. But, you know, did have, have got a plan. Don't concede goals. Don't be too ambitious. Be hard to beat. And, you know, if you have to keep drawing with the budget that you've got, you know, that's the way forward for them. They'll hope that if they stay up again, things get easier next season for them. So it, it, it's a big, uh, Ava, I agree with you. I'll get dragged into it. Um, it was a close game. Lucas Perez changed the match when he came on. I don't know why, what Gary Tano is thinking. I think they've got 25, 27 goals out of his, and 18 have come from Hossilu and Lucas Perez. So what does he do? Splits them up, puts Lucas <laughs> Perez on the bench. Um, I I, I have no idea what he's thinking Had a rethink at half time, put him on Took 11 seconds for Lucas Perez To score Um, (laughs) He was involved in it as well And and the game changed from from then on So I think that I've always said it Not just this season, past seasons Go out, try to win games Go out, try to score goals And you've got a better chance Of of standing the division Playing that way um, As opposed to trying to be conservative
0: Mm. And well done to Oliver Burke as well. His first goal in La Liga. Do you notice as well. that
1: he's the only the second Scottish player to score in La Liga? Is that
0: right? Presumably Steve Archibald.
1: Like, that's it. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: That is it. Which I find hard to believe. I haven't checked it for myself, but I, I trusted the source. So it, yeah, there's a. Any other? Any, idea, what, yeah. any other names that people can, you know, tell me that what I've heard is wrong? But yeah, that's yeah. a. Really
0: surprising. Yeah. I can't think of many who played there, to be fair. No. So, yeah, no. fair enough. OK, OK. Well, if, if, if we're wrong, get in touch uh, at Driscoll FC, at Terry Gibson, 88, at uh, La Liga underscore uh, weekly as well. Uh, we'll leave it there because I think we've, we've uh, ticked all the all the games at some point. Um, and we will look forward to next weekend, Terry, because Friday night, sometimes the Friday night football, dare I say, is not necessarily the best. Uh, but... Uh, Valencia versus Atleti. So two, I mean, not necessarily the best teams to watch, if we're being absolutely honest. But a you know, big game, big clubs, and then probably Saturday afternoon is is probably the most intriguing uh, game again this weekend, isn't it? Uh, Barcelona against Hetafe, and as we know, it's never easy against Hetafe. It's a proper test for for Kike Setien next weekend.
1: It is, and a test for Hertafe because they've they've slipped they've they've fouled in in against Real Madrid and Barcelona this season, but they've never been in this form. So you know they're going to play exactly the same away as they do at home. Big test for both teams.
0: Right, safe journey back from Barcelona, Terry, <laughs> and we will uh, enjoy our La Liga football next weekend. We'll be podcasting again at the end of the weekend. See you then. Bye bye. <laughs>